All right, welcome back to the Beast Game Podcast. And today we're talking about a resurgence in horror, which is now Candyman. This one is a remake of a 90s classic, according to James. I think Tony Todd was in that movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Kern in Star Trek. Directed by Nia DaCosta, who has done mm-hmm. what? I don't think she's really done... She is directing the Marvels movie? She's directing the Marvels, but I think this is part of her first feature. I think she may have done uh, she some did some a short movie films. called The Little Woods, and then she did a short for The Candyman. Mm, okay. And that Little Woods movie has Tessa Thompson in it. Oh, God. Mm. This one stars Yaya Abdul-Mateen, who is a very good actor, Tiana Paris, Nathan Stewart-Jarrett, and this is also written in part by Jordan Peele, which is probably the reason why it has gotten some attention. And I think he has also produced it. But the synopsis is a sequel to the horror film. I thought there was already a sequel to the Candyman. Well, see, there was a sequel. All right. And that sequel <laughs> sucked ass. So this it would be considered the sequel, actual canon sequel, All if right. that makes sense. All right, so a sequel to the horror film Candyman that returns mm. to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood. And I guess it was Cabrini Green yeah. where the legend began. For him, snuff films aren't entertainment, but they are a way of life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jay, who is the master of horror suspense and thriller. Stupid, Joe. <laughs> How did you feel about Candyman 2021? You know what? It's funny you mentioned the snuff film. Because I was watching Faces of Death probably like two days ago. (laughs) (laughs) How did people believe this shit was real? So Candyman 2021. Written by Jordan Peele, by the way. It was written by him and the, the director. director. Yeah, I think she wrote Costa it too. And somebody named Wynn Rosenfeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked this movie but i did not like this movie okay and i'm going to explain okay so let's compare this to the original candy man that came out in 1992 that candy man was like kind of like a boogeyman no you don't say his name he'll come kill you no matter don't say like, it don't see. speak it don't <laughs> oh god yeah like the bye-bye man shit yeah yeah, you didn't really say his name. And backstory was so unique. Like, the character alone had a great backstory, and it was just tragic character. So this one, what they try to do is say it's more than one Candyman. It's like a hive. And these people that have become Candyman. So Candyman, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's Candyman. They have been wronged, or some type of injustice has happened to them, right? I.e. racism, I probably assume. <laughs> right, right. So I got that. But then the only thing I did not like is this movie was too woke and it took away from the concept of Candyman. Instead of him being a spirit that kills, no motive, no nothing like that. You just speak his name, keep your name out of his mouth or he going to come get you. If I say F Candyman. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, that's basically... Yeah, that's basically the gist of Candyman. He was coming back to strike fear in the hearts of whomever did that because of him being wrong. This Candyman, it seemed like it is an avenging angel for those that have been going through injustices. I really wish this trend in Hollywood 
would end that level of stupidity mm-hmm. is 2019 yeah type of movie where now we have to have sympathetic villains they're not just bad there's Trauma. a there's a reason behind why yeah. they do what they do yeah this is- it just cannot be evil that's what makes shit scary mm-hmm. you're doing it for no motive you're just doing it because you just you want to do it it's fun to you, not because you're an avenging angel. He was the black Batman. I am justice. That took away. <laughs> so they wanted to keep the legend going because the son, uh, Yaya Mateen's character, was the baby that was in part one. That was in a fire. Okay. So that was saved like by Virginia Madison's character. Huh? So it sounds like 20 something at this point? Probably mid 20s. Okay. I'm assuming because that was about what? No, that was about what? 30 years ago. It was about 30 years ago. So, how's so, yeah. Yaya Dubatin in his 30s? <laughs> yeah, so it has to be in his late 20s for that to add up. There was a creepy factor to it. It was shot beautifully. The movie could have done a lot better in my eyes. You bring it up once. Like the original Candyman, they did have hints of racism in there. They brought up how the original Candyman was a slave. Fell in love with a white woman person that hired him's daughter mm-hmm. to do a painting, beat the hell out of him and cut his arm off and spread honey on his chest and the bees were they brought that up because it was about slavery and just racism. They mentioned it once. Mm-hmm. Once, maybe twice throughout the whole movie. This was constantly being thrown in your face every five seconds. It racism. Was- it was a little bit too much because they were talking about the gentrification of Cabrini Green, which, okay, yeah, you mentioned that once or twice. Fine. The artist, uh, Anthony, that's his name, he would just throw like little so hints about, oh, how y'all do us and stuff like that. I'm like, message. Come on. Like, we, we <laughs> understand it. We get it. Let's get to the movie. The reason why the Candyman was brought back was because he needed something to do. Like, he was uninspired. So I think someone told him a story about Candyman and he decided to do a little bit of research and then he went down a rabbit hole and found out more and more information. Then he happened to speak to a person that saw Candyman, well, another version of Candyman and Cabrini Green that wasn't the original version. It's like said it's a hive of them. It's okay. a hive. Okay. So, so like zombies. <laughs> that's what they call them. They call them a hive because of bees. Okay. It's more than one Candyman. More than one. So yeah, what were you about to say? I just said, okay, I'd follow along this candy man. Yeah. So you sound like a strip club. <laughs> it kind of does. The, some of the kills were pretty good. Stuck with the candy man trope that you can't really see him sometimes only if it's in a mirror and uses the person that he's going after is the only person that could see him. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty good. Like doing stuff with mirrors and horror movies is, is creepy if, if it's done right. And they did a pretty decent job. Like I said, the imagery was fine. The cinematography was great. I thought she did a very good job. Just the imagery was good. The story was lacking. Just kept pounding it in your fucking face. And that's one thing that I hate, not just with horror movies, just with movies alone. Mm-hmm. Because it should be organic. It should not be forced. If it's forced, you're insulting the audience. It's like, we're not going to know that you're trying to force a message down our throats. Well, you know, that's just, just have where it be organic. a lot of filmmakers have gone wrong. Editorializing instead of telling a story. I mean, again, so, if I just have a slant on something, let's say I prefer almond milk to 
regular milk. <laughs> and I said, right. I'll write that into the story. But go ahead. Yeah. If they just mentioned it maybe once or twice about this new candy man and how he got screwed over had injustice against him and how he became to be. They mentioned it once or twice and then don't keep throwing out subtle hints about racism. We're all aware racism exists. We're all aware that it's here. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be outside of Candyman and Anthony being like the main characters and everybody else being side characters. Racism and being woke was another character in this movie, and that took away from the movie itself to me. When I watch it again, I will watch it again because I usually watch movies more than once just to see if I miss something, especially horror films. But it could have been so much better if they just, just let it flow organically instead of just pushing a message over and over again. All right, so what score would you give the Baba Man? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, you never gonna let, never gonna let that down either. So, I assume they um, probably set this up for a sequel, right? Is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can tell you what happens at the end. I assume well, the Candy Man doesn't die. <laughs> well, the Candy no, Man don't die. So. Or well, the guy that he got the information about Candyman, the one who told him the story about when he saw what happened to the newer Candyman and how he became to be, he wanted to keep that myth, that thing going. Because mm-hmm. Candyman was been kind of absent for a while, steered Anthony, Yaja Mateen's character, down the rabbit hole. He manipulated little things, little, little subtle things. He was going to make him the next Candyman, make him the urban legend of the hood. Okay. It's be the avenging angel. That's basically why I'm saying that. Avenge okay. So he kidnapped him, but he was like in some type of trance. He got stung by a bee. And he basically cut his arm off, put a hook on, put, gave him the coat, everything. He was just out of it. I mean, he was under the trance of, I don't know what, but he was just out of it. And then he called the cops. Cops came through. Automatically saw him with a weapon and all that stuff. Killed him. Oh, okay. Yeah. You see, you see had, what I'm saying now? It had to be somewhere. Killed him, and his girlfriend was there captive, too, because he had his girlfriend. And the guy that orchestrated all of this was going to have him kill his girlfriend, mm-hmm. continue the legend, and then have the cops come in and shoot him. So it was spread uh, throughout the Wasn't that the same premise of that Saw movie? <laughs> the end was of Spiral? The... Yeah. That... I didn't see Spiral, so I don't know. Yeah, so the end of the movie for Spiral, this is a spoiler, the whole thing was to set up Samuel Jackson. Because, this beat New Jake's All. Alright, so Chris Rock is Samuel Jackson's son. Chris mm. Rock was working with another detective that eventually winds up dead. So it was like his partner for most of the movie, and then all of a sudden Jigsaw gets a hold of him and kills him. But what it turns out to be is that Samuel Jackson in a couple of different ways was a corrupt cop that Mm -hmm. the partner of Chris Rock, his father was wronged by Samuel Jackson. He held a grudge Mm -hmm. against Samuel Jackson because his father was killed by the police and Samuel Jackson, a couple of different ways covered for the corrupt police. So he joined the police Academy, went through all of police Academy Became a regular beat cop, became a detective, all in order just to become Chris Rock's partner to kidnap Samuel Jackson. So that at the end of the movie, 
Samuel Jackson is strung up in this unnecessary contraption to hold a gun up as soon as the police come into the door so Chris Rock can see them and know that it's his father holding the gun to the police so he can be shot by the police. That is the end of Spiral. And then, okay. yeah. And then and the, the dude that wound up getting Samuel Jackson killed just then has like this little speed ramping thing. Like, oh, yes, I'm the new Jigsaw. And then he bounces. Glad I didn't see that shit, dude. You can't uh-huh. be bad. You just have to have some injustice happening to you. And that is the problem with horror movies nowadays. Horror is supposed to frighten you, make you feel un easy how are you going to feel uneasy or be frightened when you make the villain a sympathetic villain to the point they're not really a villain they're somewhat of a tragic hero well it makes the movie weak you really need to find roles the protagonist and antagonist but once you start making these wishy-washy antagonists it makes the movie less than that because all it is is just just a run of a of mill story because we can't commit to a direction for a villain because they have to be so sad. They have to have a tragic happening. I'm like, it doesn't need to happen like that. Doesn't see, okay, see, we're going off topic. We discussed this afterwards. Let me just get to the score. I'm about to go on a tangent. I'll give this movie a six. It's a disappointing six. I would have given the movie an eight if they just didn't keep going on with the too woke for its own good. I understand being in the know and I understand being aware of what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. But there is also a limit to that shit. Sometimes you're so woke you still sleep, if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. Kind of falls into that category. I understand like you putting it in there in the beginning because every horror movie villain has some type of story to make them who they are but once that story has been completed once something happens to them to make them who they are they're not that person anymore they became something else something that you don't know and they do what they do because that's what they do not because of trying to be like a hero or some something like that and maybe i'm like really really digging into this movie's ass Hmm. Well, it's because I'm I like Candyman, and you like most horror movies, <laughs> right? So, and Candyman, the only black horror movie villain. What about Leprechaun? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Leprechaun yeah, in the hood, yeah. Yeah, that's like yeah. a horror movie. Oh my god! Don't ever mention that shit again. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying, though. It's just like you're doing this how things are in today's society. And they feel that they got to always force a message into movies. And I understand forcing a message into movies subtly, just not mm-hmm. like boom, right there in your face. Not once, not twice, not three times, maybe throughout the whole damn movie to the point you're like, man, all right, we get the message. Can you go on with the actual movie? And that was the case with Candyman. So I give it a six. I want to give it an eight. But because of that, I got to give it a six. A lot of times, places are always trying to reach back to movies. I mean, you had that Child's Play movie. And I think sometimes with these 
Let's go back to the catalog and figure out what we have. A lot of these remakes, reimaginings of 80s horror, 90s horror, I guess in this case. Uh A current generation does not have any affinity to these. Just saying we're going to come out with a Candyman movie doesn't make people go crazy. Because everything right now is comic book movies, which, again, that will die out at some point. But, again, I keep going back to Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels, nobody cares about that. And the demographic that you're looking for will be 50s and up? Yeah, 50s, maybe 60s. Right. So, a lot of times with these reimaginings, you're just doing it just... Because, again, you need content for streaming. Mm-hmm. It wasn't badly written outside of the forcing of social issues. It was well shot. Imagery was good. The mood was fine. Like, the tone. And I told you, atmosphere and tone is very important for horror film. It had all of that. But, like I said, just the social issues, just in your face, is kind of took away from the movie for me. All right. Well... That is the Beast Game Podcast. So again, don't see it, don't say it, don't speak it. Like whatever the Bob Out Man, the Candy Man can, the Candy Man can. <laughs> they actually had that song in there too. The oh no, no, well, they did, Joe. Why? <laughs> Why? All right, is Tony Todd in the movie? They use his voice. Okay. At least they had some common sense. But all right. Jordan Peele, not everything you do is successful. Peace Game Podcast. <laughs>